You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. And this morning, I'm joined by the super producer, Jason. Hey, greetings, everyone. <laughs> uh we have a really, really cool episode today. Um, we have David Hensley, the host of probably one of the preeminent paranormal podcasts called Paranormal Road. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, bud? Ah, just enjoying some sunshine while I practice my social distancing skills. <laughs> and hence we have phone interviews and hence yes <laughs> phone interviews um and as a it, just so everybody everybody kind of we got not only david but we have his daughter megan say hi megan good morning the rest the rest of the partridge family okay uh we have a son <laughs> son charles hey everybody and his son adam Howdy, folks. <laughs> now, the, now, our listeners might be wondering, man, what the heck do they got all, the, all these people on for? Well, David, I will let you give us a little background about uh, your podcast and then, you know, let everybody know why you and your children are uh, with us this morning. Because I, I think everybody's going to enjoy this little uh, story that you guys get to tell us. Sure. Well, I think it's important to go back a little bit in time, but uh, when I was a young man in my you know late teens, early 20s, I really didn't have time for anything paranormal, didn't really believe much in it. I was too busy uh, working on a career path, and I ended up being a corporate executive uh, with Cedar Point and for many years worked there. 
But going back to my 20s, I had a very horrific experience, and um, it stuck with me for many years. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I was not about to talk about. I couldn't have people, my bosses or anyone else, question my judgment in a position of leadership. And I kind of just buried it in the back of my mind. I convinced myself that it was nothing more than a vivid nightmare. And again, we're talking pre-internet days. Um, it happened, uh, I know the day and time, it happened on April 15th, about 3.30 in the morning in 1983. It's uh, burned in my memory forever. But uh, again, years later, everything's going along and I get this call from Megan, my, my uh, oldest child, daughter. She's at Wright State and she is absolutely hysterical. And once I got her calmed down, she starts telling me something that happened. And literally every hair on my arm stood up and I was momentarily in shock, uh, which Megan will tell you about her experience at some point, but uh, that was the absolute positive evidence I needed um, that this was not all a dream. Um, what happened to me happened to my daughter and subsequently, uh, it actually happened to pretty much all of my children. And that experience, I think when you have an experience such as <laughs> like we did, um, and many people, you have an option. You can continue to bury your head, pretend it doesn't, it didn't happen, um, and move on and bury it. Uh, or you can choose to understand try to get as much knowledge and study it so it no longer has power or control of you. And that's basically the path I took with my kids. And we all ended up in the paranormal field, doing paranormal research, and ultimately founding or starting Paranormal Road, which is a subject, a broad range subject, to cover everything from cryptids to hauntings to UFOs to demonic uh, angels, uh, near-death experiences, we wanted people to have a forum and a place that uh, they can come to and listen, maybe find out something that may have happened to them, that they weren't dreaming, things are real. Yeah, as a, 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 let me, as a matter of fact, for our listeners, you guys just had the judge on probably, what, two or three Correct. episodes ago? And, yeah. Yep. It, and I was reminded of that because you said of all, uh, something very traumatic that happened in your teens and early 20s. Mm -hmm which would be, since the judge isn't here, I'm going to make fun of him, his college years, which were very traumatic yeah. for him. <laughs> for him. In more ways than one. Exactly. exactly. So, but he's not here to defend himself or corroborate any of that uh, supposed evidence. <laughs> so, so this experience, I know the story. Jason does not know the story. He, I've been okay. priming him. You know, he's kind of like, you know, a caged animal ready to pounce on this story. I've been chomping at the bit for this. Yes, and I so so let's dive into what because sure. because the fact that you had something happen and then your oh your kids right. this is fantastic. Yeah. So well for well, us that are well, listening. Yeah. For us that are listening. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say for you, for you to listen to maybe, but uh, um, so for me uh, it started uh, like I said. Uh, I was working at that time seasonally uh, for Cedar Point in the Park, and 
there was only a handful of people there, and it was kind of one of those cooler days, rainy. And uh, we got out early on that Thursday, and I said, well, I'm just going to go home instead of staying in the dorms. Uh, I didn't feel like being alone and crappy. And, and, you know, there was nobody there from college to party with, so what's the sense of staying there? So I drove home, and uh, usual night, normal, everything's normal. Went to bed and said goodnight to my parents, and off to bed I went. Now, at that time, you have to understand, too, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but there was a time period where I was um, terrified of thunderstorms. Uh, just, it's something from a childhood, uh, just terrified. It would make me sick to my stomach even if, if there was a storm alert on TV, you know, it was kind of a joke. You could find uh, Dave hiding in the basement in the corner with his helmet on and his <laughs> bottle of water. Uh, and I used to go around propping open all the doors in the house and the windows because it was a belief in the 60s that if you did that, the vacuum wouldn't blow up your house. So, yeah, I was terrified of swarms. And, uh, what, kind of helmet, what kind of helmet did you have on? <laughs> well, actually, it was, it, it was a toy German helmet that Schultz wore and you know like short, uh, short, short, I know, Schultz, you know I, I know nothing yeah. I know nothing yeah exactly Hogan exactly. <laughs> Hogan zeros but uh, so I, I go to bed I wake up uh, probably about three well, maybe a little after in the morning um, and I'm hearing a distant thunderstorm and so I'm a little nervous not too bad but I'm, I lay there awake you know, again, kind of like the movie Poltergeist. It's kind of weird because I like that kid. I was counting down the seconds of the thunder, and it became really intense and over about a period of 15 minutes. And at that point, I was again nervous. I'm like, uh, "Mom should be up to, to to go to work shortly, so I'm going to go out and make a pot of coffee and wait for it." So I sat up in bed, and there was a lightning strike outside my room really like it it hit the tree or, or even the, the house it was so loud and i kind of jumped and, uh, and you know i'm again sitting on the side of my bed but it startled me and i kind of jerked but i looked at the window and there was a secondary flash of lightning and through the curtains there was a silhouette of a man wearing a large uh, like a fedora style hat a brimmed hat that's all i could tell but it was uh, lit up like a backdrop so i like <gasps> And I, I gasp and I turn in my bed. I just pivot my body to go get my stepdad and mom. And as I did that, at the foot of my bed was this thing uh, or man. It uh, filled about every inch of the ceiling. Uh, up to the ceiling was about seven foot tall ceiling. It was huge. He was draped in a cloak, um, kind of like Jack the Ripper. It had a high collar. Um, pure black face, perfectly black. I mean, blacker than black. It was almost as if it absorbed any light. And um, it, he was wearing, it was wearing a fedora-style hat, like a gangster hat or like Jack the Ripper. And I couldn't move. I, I, the fear was so strong, I literally couldn't move. My heart started banging like it was going to burst out of my chest. This thing then turns, and it was I could still see it in my mind, like a mechanical robot. It was creepy as hell. It turns sideways and then glides over the, past the foot of my bed, and then mechanically, like, like, it's weird, but it turned again and glided up to me, and I can't move. My heart is banging. It then leans in, and it's inches away from my face. And I really, at that point, 
thought my heart was going to literally explode in my chest cavities. It took its hand and put it on my chest and he pushed me down into the bed and then physically rolled me onto my side away from him. And it leaned into my neck and I could feel the fabric, its hat, its collar, whatever it was on my neck and shoulder. And at that point, whether it spoke to me telepathically or whether it spoke to me in words, I don't know. But it was a deep, terrifying voice. And it more or less, and if I can imitate it, I'm not very well, very well, but it was like, relax, you shall not be harmed. And that's all I remember. About 45 minutes later, I wake up and I'm like, <gasps> And I gasp for air, and I jump up, and I run, and I hit the lightning room, and I'm looking around. Uh, then I go outside uh, into the kitchen. My mom's already up, and I don't say anything. Kind of like the judge didn't say anything to his mom or anything. It's one of those things you're, you're processing. And, again, terror, I didn't think she would believe me. I, I don't know what was going through my mind, but they didn't say anything. And And... <laughs> As I find out later, Megan did the same thing to me. I, she actually had an experience before college but didn't tell me. But then um, when my mother said, did you hear that lightning strike? I thought for sure it hit the house. That w I knew I was not dreaming. Absolutely, positively knew. And that's my story. Um, and if it happens today, I know if I get a return visit, I will die. Um, there's no doubt in my mind because at my age, there's no way my heart could handle something like that. But, um, that actually became our first episode on paranormal road. Um, and all the kids do tell their stories. Um, and it's something because up until the age of the internet, I had no clue that this was real. There was one thing, um, that was BC years before children and then comes uh, the AC years after children. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff for all of us that happened before children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nothing but against Megan you guys. Just... <laughs> Nothing against you guys. <laughs> yeah. Megan was just a baby. And we're watching TV. I'm Megan, or, uh, yeah, not Megan, yeah. but uh, my uh, ex-wife at the time, Teresa, we're watching TV and I yell for her to come in because we're watching the um, Twilight Zone. And they actually have an episode there called The Shadow Man. And I was just floored because in that episode, and they recreate, you know, the, the entity, it is exactly what I saw and experienced that night. And I, for years later, was convinced that this producer must have had a personal experience because I could not believe the striking identical, um, thing, how they portrayed it. But again, I kept it in the back of my mind as, okay, it was freaky. It was horrible. And I kept telling myself just to, to move on that it was a uh, lucid dream. Uh, I knew it wasn't, but I kind of pushed it in the back of my mind. And that's my story. And it all came to a crashing reality when I got that telephone call from Megan at Wright State that night. So, so Megan, so, so you had never, just so before we go on with Megan, so you had never talked about this with the kids at all. Like they didn't have no. a clue and, no. and you'd never talked with your, your mom or your stepdad at all. Nope. They, they didn't know anything. I never, nope. Never told anybody in the family. Uh, I don't even, honestly, I, I only think I told Teresa because of what I saw in that twilight zone episode. That's when I had to share with her what happened to me. Now did you, uh, and that's 
as the kids would tell you, um, their mother, she doesn't repeat stuff. She doesn't like talking about paranormal. She doesn't want to even acknowledge its existence. Uh, so it, it certainly is some, something. She's a little bit more open-minded now, let's be fair. Now she, she is. <laughs> now, so your mom when yeah. did not say anything even after she went in and had to change her sheets? Because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming you made it I mean, listen, you can say whatever you want, but however that voice that you just said... Right. I, right. I mean, that's. I mean, Jason's beard got straight. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, just went, I mean that. Okay. So how? Before we go on, how did you even? Like the next time there was a thunderstorm, besides the mm-hmm. the part that you were always terrified of them, how did that work? You know. Uh, it, thunderstorms in the day, I was fine uh, in the daytime, but at night it. It's every single time there was a storm at night. I literally just wouldn't go to bed. I'd stay up. I'd watch TV. I would pace. I would not go to bed. And even after that, it took months before I could go to sleep without a light on. Well, I wouldn't um, blame you. I wouldn't blame you at all. Yeah. yeah well, the, yeah, cra- it, the, crazy, uh, the crazy thing is, is David told me this story about a week and a half ago, the night after we had this huge thunderstorm that rolled through the area and lightning. And I said, thank God I was a day late on this one because, because woo, I would have been a little bit, uh, I don't know. I don't yeah, you know. don't need that in your mind when we had that bad storm. No, no, that would have been bad. So, so, so Megan, go ahead and let's go. I mean, let's scare everybody else another to another level here. Oh, okay. I'll do my best. Um, the first time that I saw that happening, I was probably 13, 14, um, in my early teens. It was in the house that I grew up in. Um, and I, it doesn't stand out as much in my memory, I don't think, because that particular time I managed to convince myself it was just a really bad dream. Um, and, you know, just to reiterate my, what my dad said, we never would have talked about this at all because the sound of the X-Files theme song would have had me diving into the bed. That's how scared of, you know, everything I was. So um, it wasn't until I got to college and I was in my dorm room. It was my freshman year. And I remember it was a night where my roommate, her boyfriend, was on the floor above us. Every floor was an alternating gender floor. So she would sleep with her boyfriend sometimes upstairs and I would get the dorm room to myself. And it was one of those nights that I woke up, kind of jumped awake. I wasn't really sure what woke me up, but I could tell something just didn't quite feel right. Um, I kind of liken it to when you're waiting for a sound to happen, it's not happening, and then you start panicking because you're not hearing a sound that you should be hearing. And I rolled over and realized that in the corner of the room, it was so much darker than the rest of the room. And this is, you know, mind you, a 10 by 12 foot room. It's not that big. Um, maybe even a little smaller than that. So I should be able to see pretty much the entire environment, but it was so dark. You can't see through that kind of black. And by the time I realized that my eyes were not adjusting, I also realized that I'm looking at a definite form, a definite shape of a very tall individual with a wide-brimmed hat, and the way it differs from what my dad saw or what some people's reports are is this thing had glowing red eyes. And I mean, very distinct. You couldn't see anything else in the face. You could see the, the wide burn chat. You could see a long trench coat or cloak. And you could see these bright red eyes. 
And that sort of fear when you realize what you're looking at is not something that you can even put into words. I mean, your blood runs cold. You can't catch your breath, especially knowing that I am in a heavy, locked room with what I thought was an unknown person, that the door is on the other side of that person. There's nowhere even for me to go at this point. Yeah, because you don't, um, you, you think it's, you got to think it's, it's somebody it's, actually flesh and blood there, right? I mean, you're not expecting. Right, uh, that's your that's your first reaction is, oh my God, I, you know, my room's been invaded or I'm about to become on the next episode of Cold Case Files, you know, like that's the thing that's running through your head. Oh boy. And so you realize that people don't have glowing eyes and people aren't that tall. There's no way that this is a normal person. And once you realize that you're looking at something that's not a flesh and blood person, you don't know how to fight it. You don't know how to ward it off. You don't even know what to do to make yourself less of an object to them. So I just kind of sat there and stared at it and tried to tell myself, I'm sleeping, right? I'm sleeping? No, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. And that's when I started realizing and remembering the first time I saw him in the house I grew up, up in that this thing is real and it's back. And I remember thinking, it's back. It's back. What do I do? It's back. The only thing I could think of to do, and it took every ounce of strength I had just to move. I don't know if it's got some sort of a paralyzing effect or if that's total fear. But it is so hard to physically move of your own volition when you're looking at this thing. And I remember forcing myself to roll over and face the wall, and I squeezed my eyes shut, and I just started saying prayers. Like, I, I, I remember saying the Lord's Prayer. I remember trying to say the Hail Mary, and that's all I could do. And after a few minutes, the panic started to subside. I realized it was a little easier to move. It was a little easier to breathe. And for a while, I just lay there, and I said a few more prayers for good measure. I managed to sit up and roll over and look, and the thing was gone. But it was so terrifying. It never moved toward me like my dad said it did to him. It never advanced toward me. It never made any motion to take the encounter to another level. It was just sitting there watching. But I knew it saw me. And the next morning I called my dad. I think I was still stuttering enough at that point because, you know, you just don't go back to sleep after something like that. Um, no, no, you don't. And I could tell when I started talking to him that he went, you <laughs> really don't. Um, and I could tell when I started telling my dad the story, he was kind of taken aback. Uh, he also well, started. One second, Megan. Megan, one second, shaking. just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, it wasn't the next morning. You actually called me that evening because I remember running and grabbing my keys. We did talk about the next morning, but you called me that evening. You ran downstairs okay. to the lobby, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, you were physically assaulted because you couldn't tell me. It took you forever to get it out what happened. Um, and you were in hysterics. We did talk the next morning, but you did initially call me right after that. Well, that actually kind of actually just illustrates how your body doesn't work because I don't remember talking to you that night at all. I don't remember going down to the lobby. I remember talking to you about it the next day and still being shaky, but I I thought, you know, for sure that I didn't talk to you to the next day. I I remember being, you know, scared Mm-hmm. Well, Trey, I don't remember calling you that night. So that just kind tr- of shows you what that reaction does to you. Trust, trust me, Megan. As as uh, um, as having all girls as a father, you remember exactly what it is your daughters. Uh, oh. do, you know when yeah. it was, and when it, especially when it's something that is that terrible. You know that happens to them. You you that stuff is burned in your memory. Yeah, 
I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I believe it. I have a daughter, too. She's only eight months old at this point, but I'm sure I'll get to that point at some point. Um, I remember I saw it once more when I lived in Virginia Beach, which was about five years after the college encounter. I just got married. I was living in Virginia Beach with my new husband, who was in the military. And I remember seeing it in the corner of my bedroom there. Um, he will still tell you about the time that I woke him up yelling at him, who's in the corner, who's that man in the corner? And he couldn't see it. He had no idea what I was talking about. But I remember staring right at it and, and being so frustrated because I wanted him to get up and do something about it, and he couldn't even see it. No idea what I was talking about. Um, and the last time I saw it, I was back at home, the house I grew up in, where I saw it first. But this one was a little different. I was, there's four of us kids that come home, you know, randomly, periodically, and sometimes the bedrooms get full, so at this particular time, I was sleeping in a family room that we had downstairs. It was kind of a, a den with TV and, and movies and things like that, and there was a couch down there that I was using. And I remember waking up, and this time, instead of being in the corner, there was at the foot of my bed, and it was so tall that it had to kind of bend its head down a little bit to fit underneath the ceiling. But instead of a wide-brimmed hat, this time it had a hooded cloak, like a pointed hooded cloak on. The eyes were not red. They were yellow. And this thing was doing this weird side-to-side sort of snake-like motion, like it was just weaving in place. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And it started progressing with each weave. It took one step closer to the head of my bed, and I was petrified. I mean, I think that even to this day, is the most terrifying of all the encounters that I've had with it. I don't know if it's something different. I don't know if it just changes half on a certain day or what, but I wasn't having it. Um, my sister's bedroom door was actually right behind my head, more or less. She had a downstairs suite bedroom. And I managed to reach behind me and bang on the door. She opened it up and said, Megan, are you okay? Something feels really weird. And at that, the minute she opened the door, this thing was gone. She goes, it's just weird. Before you started banging, she goes, I just woke up and I didn't feel like something was right. I knew something was here, but I couldn't tell where. And that was thankfully the last time I saw it. It has not been back, although I do sleep with the light on. I noticed that light does have some sort of a warding off effect to it, whether it's cell phone or night light or TV or what. Um, I do have a cell lamp that I sleep with because... It's just not even worth taking the risk of waking up to it, ever, in my opinion. That is fascinating. Megan, um... That is all the encounters I've had. Oh, geez, that's it? Uh, you're not looking oh. for another... You're not looking for another... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Megan... You're not looking for number five. Well, <laughs> Megan, I was, I was wanting to ask you, uh, have you... I know having these type of tragic encounters and... Uh, have you ever thought about like maybe what would bring them on? I mean, was there anything that you may have been doing earlier that day or anything that was similar that, uh, or any atmospheric condition, something that might invoke these, these type of encounters? You know what? In my experience, yes, I can't speak for everybody, but I noticed, um, actually during the phone call with my dad once you were, talking about these things and she said something that made me realize that every time I saw this thing I was really in an emotionally bad place regarding a relationship in my life 
Um, the first time I saw it, I had just ended a relationship with my first boyfriend, which, you know, at 14, 15 years old is life-ending for a teen girl. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time I saw it, I was in Dayton. Um, I was having a bad dating experience there. Um, when I moved to Virginia with my new husband, I was going through a lot of um, separation anxiety from my family, and I was really kind of feeling guilty about moving, and it caused a lot of strain between him and I at that time. Um, and then when I was home visiting, he and I had just gotten into a major, major argument about me coming to visit. So I, I do feel like being in a very raw emotional state or having some sort of big um, emotional upheaval was a trigger for me, but I don't know if that's true for everybody. Hmm. Well, as a father, I think the underlying issue is it's all about guys. So when <laughs> so when we tell you to stay away from guys uh, <laughs> until, and I'm sure your husband's a wonderful man, but, um, you know, there's the reason. Dads know this stuff, you know. But, uh, and we, and, and Megan, I, I don't know how comfortable you feel answering this question, but your dad and I kind of discussed this. Um, do you have concerns then because it's you guys have all had an experience with this do you have any have any concerns about your own child um you know i didn't until just last week i have a almost four-year-old son and an eight-month-old daughter and my son is very um he's very imaginative but he's also very honest depending on what you're talking about and you can tell the difference in his speech if he's trying to make up a story to tell you something cool or if he's asking questions because he doesn't understand something and he came downstairs um his bedroom's upstairs and he has one of those little um like tp canvas tents that's really popular with toddlers and he had one of those in the corner of his room and he came downstairs the other day when i was watching tv and he had this dumbfounded look on his face he goes mom and i said what's up boy and he says you know, when I woke up today, um, I, I woke up and I looked, and he goes, there's someone in my tent watching me. Whoa. And I said, what do you mean there's someone in your tent watching me? He goes, there's someone in my tent watching me. And I said, could you see what they look like? He goes, well, I could see their eyes, but just their eyes. And I said, okay, did you try and talk to it? He goes, yeah, I tried to say hi, but then they just disappeared. And I said, did it scare you? And he thought for a minute, he looks very confused and goes, I don't know, I guess so. Oh, <laughs> so the good news is he's not traumatized, but it was a, a <laughs> it was just a very odd thing for him to say because, you know, he has, you know, sometimes come up with really weird stories to tell me, but they're always a clear work of fiction. There's never anything about them that makes you think maybe he's based it in reality and he did not look like he was looking for um details to add into this as a story maker. He was telling me what he saw. Did he, did he... So, this, I mean, I guess this now had, I'm a little concerned, but... Well, did that thing have... Did he mention if that I had red eyes? Now maybe I'm a little bit... He didn't tell me what color they were. Um, it's not that he doesn't know his colors, but I don't know if he maybe just didn't pay attention or if, for whatever reason, he wouldn't tell me what color they were. He just said that's all he could see. So I'm, I'm not real sure about that. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, it's so, fascinating to you, Jason. I mean, yeah, it does not sound like it's to, fi- uh, to the victims there. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I'm enthralled by this stuff. Um, I have a question. Um, it's, well, we, can, I don't, we can send them your way next time we see them. No, I mean, no, 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 that's okay. Hey, listen, I think it's even better. Here's a, here, 
let's do a little <laughs> field research. Have yeah. Jason come and spend the night in the tent in the corner. <laughs> that, to me, it was probably... Oh, there's an idea. I'm bringing Jerry with me. He'll tackle Oh, it. Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's like this thing. Uh, do you realize, uh, with the different encounters that you've had, Megan, um, do you think it's the same uh, individual being, or do you think it's a different one? Because you mentioned how you notice like the shape of the hat is different uh on one encounter versus uh another um do you think it's like maybe a different uh being of the same race or do you think this is the same entity that's following your family uh in my experience my gut instinct is that it's different entities of the same species or the same race or however you want to classify it i think right. that there are different ones of them, and they may have different intentions, which is why perhaps that experience, it tried to be comforting in a terrifying way, but it spoke words of comfort, versus every time I've seen it, it's been, it's felt nothing but threatening. Right. Um, the different shapes, the different color eyes, to me that just lends credit to the theory that there are a, a you know, a race of interdimensionally traveling things that may have different intentions based on which one of them visits you and perhaps they visit you for different reasons you know maybe some of them are drawn to emotional upset maybe some of them are drawn to um, skill fear levels of, of the individual or to just be <laughs> random chance fear yeah right on fear well well david you i mean you just were going to bed sleeping you weren't having any like uh, no, right. I had, uh, that was a highlight of my life. I mean, I was on cloud nine as far as at that point in my life. I had no emotional trauma, but um, I did wake up at 3 a.m. And for 15 minutes, I laid in bed terrified of the storm because it ah. sounded traumatic. So uh, the question and what we kind of kicked around is, is this thing drawn to emotions such as fear or such as strife? But when you hear from my sons, none of that applies to them. Hmm. And the, the thing that is interesting, as Megan brought up, I am the only one um, of, of our family that it spoke to. And interestingly, I have yet to find, and there's hundreds, hundreds of stories of, of the hat man on the internet. I have yet to find one where it spoke to to anybody so uh, for whatever reason I'm unique and I don't know why and I don't like that well I, I got like well, having the damn experience you know I, I've got a question for you that how many of those stories that you read do you recall happening during a severe thunder and lightning storm I think I've seen maybe three of them where that occurred so okay where they specifically mentioned there was a storm that night so okay so so you're, and, and we'll get into this later, but you, you are in the paranormal field, and I uh -huh. think one of the, one of the uh, prevailing ideas is, is that uh, for an entity or whatever to present itself, it sucks electricity or energy from something else. Yeah, um, right. So could it be that the perfect, and not to, this is a pun, perfect storm, so perfect to speak, storm, yeah. was that a severe lightning i mean imagine the energy that was 
in the air from the lightning and the thunder and, and all that. Maybe right. that just gave it enough energy to push it up to the level where it could actually speak to you. I mean, I don't know. And that's know. Hi- highly possible because we know in, in um, our paranormal research um, when and just documenting our clients' experience as far as apparitions and things in the haunted things of their home, things tend to peak in the wintertime when it's like five below out and extremely dry. And the thought and theory behind that is, you know, how you go to touch a door handle and you get shocked. Static, yes. So yeah. static, yeah, static fr- friction can actually, you know, increase a haunting activity. So you may be on to something and there may be something there that is related to conditions, at, as, uh, atmos- atmospheric. Uh, I can't even, yeah, thank atmospheric. you, I can't even speak. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, um, that um, you know are there that create the ability for this thing to manifest it, and maybe part of that also is the emotional state. It's hard to say because we just don't know enough about it. Like the perfect recipe of of static and whatever electro atmospheric conditions. Then yeah, your fear right. of right when it's dry, you got uh, an excess amount of uh, negative electrons that are trying to ground themselves therefore when you touch the doorknob or whatever you get shocked because they're trying right. to the ground themselves and so yeah that's an excess of uh, energy and uh, and having a, a storm there I've heard that there is residual energy in the area of a lightning strike anyway right. and we uh, do know like right. um, within in the case of Joplin we do know that after a F5 or a tornado, towns that have been hit hard by tornadoes, paranormal reports in, uh, increase dramatically for years after that tornado strikes. Yes. Uh, so, again, is that an energy release buildup that causes this? It's one of those things we just don't know, but when you have enough patterns, you can come up with some reasonable uh, theories as to why this, why it happens. Right, and the emotional uh, output would be much greater in an area after any type of tragedy, like a storm or a hurricane or something. Yep. Yeah, I think that holds some credence. I really do. Oh. Yep. yep. So, so, are, so Charles, are you going to go next? Oh uh, yeah. Wait, listen, if you're if you're busy doing something and aren't prepared, no, no, no. To, it's good to go. Um, wait, it's like, man, are you reading the paper, making some breakfast? What are you, what are you doing? It's good to go. <laughs> so, um, so Charles, so Charles, yeah, your uh, story is really interesting because of where it took place. So, to me, at least. Um, so, mm-hmm. so share with everybody your experience with the. Uh, with this rascal, the hat man. Yeah. Um, so my experience happened about three years ago. It was 2017, and I was currently stationed in uh, North Carolina. I was ex- I was in the Marines, uh, in the barracks, is where I had my experience. Um, I want to say it was the Wednesday of that week that I was up 24 hours straight. So when I got off, I slept in until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon of the next day. So because the final day of that week was going to be Friday and I was only going to have to work for maybe four hours anyways, I decided I'm probably going to be up most of the night because I slept the entire day beforehand. Um, 
So I wasn't really concerned about sleep. I was actually worried that I wasn't going to be able to sleep um, because I was sleeping all day. So I went to, I turned off the Xbox and decided that I was probably going to try and go to bed around, I'd say it was one o'clock-ish. I was still feeling wide awake. My roommate, he was asleep for probably the last two or three hours. And I usually sleep with my back to the rest of the room and I lay on my side so that I'm directly facing the wall in front of me. Um, I want to say about 30 minutes passed and I immediately felt like something was not right. I don't know if I was, I want to say almost felt like it was being watched, but it was like something else, like just a change in the atmosphere. Something was just totally off. And so I rolled back over and I was wide awake at this point. I hadn't even had a chance to sleep. So I roll all the way over, and I start scanning the room. My roommate's asleep, and I'm panning right. And there's this little hallway that leads out to our main door where you can walk out to the main hall and the rest of the building. And my eyes stopped because I noticed that there was something. I didn't really, like, picture it yet. I couldn't see what I was looking at, but I knew something was not right in that specific location. And I want to say it was the microwave lights that gave it away because things were just dark, but there is one light over there, and that's the clock on the microwave, and I just couldn't even see it. I'm like, that's really weird. It's bizarre. And then that's when I saw the defined definition shape of a hat, and it was a fedora style. It was thin. It wasn't thick or bulky like a top or a cowboy hat. Um, And that's kind of when the fear set in. As soon as I saw that hat, I was... I want to say I was entranced, like hypnotized. Like I didn't want to look away, but at the same time, I was so scared that it, it was like a climax effect. It just kept getting worse and worse with every second that passed. And I could just feel my chest. I've never been scared enough that I could actually feel my heart. Like, I know you see that in cartoons and everything where people, you know, they can feel their hearts just beating out of their chest. I've never felt that until that specific moment. And so so you're in Um, the, so you're at this point, how long had you been in the Marines? About three years. So you've probably done some stuff that's high intensity and you know, probably on the edge of your seat a little bit, not knowing what's coming next. So, but you're pretty much prepared for anything that comes your way. Yes. It's not like you're like out of your mind. I mean, of course there is no preparation for a dark shadow figure in a fedora. No, Uh, not at all. But, but had you, there's no book on that one. There's no book. No, well, there's no you know, book I to think refer to listen, other think, than the Bible. Uh, other than I, I think it's, <laughs> I think we're, I think this is right for a book. I'm not, you know, trying to horn in on the rights or anything. But um, now, did you know? At, so at this point, before we get to the rest of it, did you know at this anything that happened to your dad and your sister? Had had this now come out at all? Or um, I did. Uh, I'm actually kind of the uh, baby to all of this because of the fact that I'm actually the last one who ever had an encounter. Every one of my siblings, I knew about it. Um, 
you know, I never really heard the story firsthand, I don't think, from Megan herself. Um, I never heard Adam tell me his story until they did my dad's show. Um, but I had heard my dad's story, and I knew that they have seen it. But me personally, I've never seen it before. I didn't think it was going to happen. I just thought, okay, you know, it skipped me. I'm good. Like everyone else saw it, and that's okay. So you, so you weren't but, like, you weren't like hopeful. <laughs> you weren't like, man, I hope this happens. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. It's okay. I mean, you can say we won't think any less of you if you say no. Absolutely, I was scared to death <laughs> hearing. I mean, go ahead. No, I mean, but how if I may absolutely. add something, he's crazy enough to actually want to have a dogman experience. Uh yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, after hearing, this is true. <laughs> well, I suppose. I mean, I feel, if you're... I feel like something physical, I'd be okay with, but something that's there, but I can't really tell if it's human or not. I, I don't know. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, totally off the topic a little bit, that the whole dogman thing, the more I hear about that, the more I think that skirts both, that has a foot in in the real world and a foot in the supernatural world, and I'm not sure that any training that you do did with the Marines is going to help you out on that one because... I agree with that. I just, I don't know. That just seems like... Uh, it seems like a whole a whole different realm right there. The be, the best of both worlds, so yes. to speak, when it comes to a supernatural <laughs> entity. Holy yeah. smokes! And all I can say is, is thank God it chased the judge back then, because now mm-hmm. he would probably just sit down and say, "Okay, do it." <laughs> yeah, the judge would. I don't think he's running anywhere now. <laughs> so, but so so Charles, so so you've realized there's somebody in the room with you, and it's not just your 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 bunk mate there so what happens then um so as i'm progressively getting more and more scared i actually remember i i didn't really glance at him but obviously i just saw him so i knew he was still in the room with me and i knew he wasn't awake yet because he would have said something i'm actually sitting over here trying to scream his name i am trying to get my vocal cords to work and they're just not working i can get any sound out at all um so now i'm thinking well i'm screwed because i am to the point where i am so terrified that i can't i can't even say his name above a whisper um so i kind of lucked out because i actually had my phone laying on the bed in front of my face and it was plugged in and with my alarm ready to go for the morning. And I don't know if it was an alert or if it was a text, but my phone goes off. And because it was so bright in a dark room that I had been staring in for probably about 15 minutes, it blinded me. So it was more of a natural reflex. That went, as soon as that phone came on, I shut my own eyes. And that's when I came to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to open my eyes again. I'm, because I've already got them shut why would I want to look so I was kind of sitting there for maybe 10 minutes ish and even though I could still feel that it was there um, I didn't feel like it left I could still feel a heavy presence in the room with me 
and I was trying to pray. I was saying prayers that I've been saying since I was a kid, and I couldn't even remember more than five words into them. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, is that even though my eyes were closed, there was a second part of me, I don't know if it was a voice or like an inner thought, but something was telling me to open my eyes back up and to take another peek at this thing. That's and also I know that's the really voice. Weird. That's also the voice that tells you to go ahead and have another drink. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> you know spend, spend that money, place that bet, or the, or what? I mean, don't listen to that voice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's bizarre. Like I really wanted to stop looking at that point, but it was just something else that was compelling me like I actually had to fight myself at one point not to open my eyes and I don't know why that is if it was my own curiosity or if it was this thing influencing me I have no idea but it just felt like I was having an internal battle um wow so eventually this thing faded like you know that feeling you get and it feels like someone has left the room or you know everything's just more clear air that's the kind of feeling i got and then after a little bit and i could finally move my toes i could move the parts of my body that were paralyzed i was like okay this is good um i reached over and i even still covered my eyes so there was no chance that i could see into that corner of the room and i looked just at my phone so that i could turn the flashlight on and wake up the rest of the room with my light um so I was hesitant, but I finally walked over to the bathroom on the other side of the room. I turned the bathroom light on, went to my kitchen, turned the over-the-head sink kitchen light on, went back to my bed. And I can't remember if it was that night or the next morning that I texted uh, my dad. But I sat on the bed Indian style and pretty much stared down that hallway for the rest of the night. My buddy had to get up earlier than me, so he got up at 5, and he was giving me looks. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. I'm just chilling. Now, now, did you did you tell him at all? Does he know that this happened, or? Um, I told him about a year and a half later. I didn't even tell him off the get go because I knew his reaction. I knew he was gonna roll his eyes at me. He was gonna laugh at me. Which after I did tell him, he did just that. But I. I didn't really want to be, you know, I didn't want to that sound guy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want yeah. to be that guy. Well, but, I mean, I, when, he rolls his, really... when he rolls his eyes, you follow up with, okay, then I won't bother to tell you what's under your bed then. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean yeah. it's easy for somebody to roll their eyes. when. Uh, I mean, I would personally rather know, like, okay, thanks for, thanks for cluing me in on, the possibility of something something being there i, I mean whether i, I thought you like, were crazy or not i mean yeah he, he just gives me that impression that he's one of the and he's a really good buddy of mine but he's just one of those people where if there's no proof that it actually happened or it exists then he won't believe it he's one of those guys right yeah. so he doesn't really have an open mind for any other possibility but the funny thing I mean, is, was, is, is the funny thing is is people that have really closed off minds 
that when they do finally see the light, it's kind of a blinding light. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's to the point where, oh crap! I guess I should have uh, believed a little bit more or paid a little more attention to stuff that I didn't necessarily know a lot about because uh, it seems like fate has a way or whoever has a way of of really uh, showing you what's out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Absolutely. You, if yeah. You, if you you know, I mean, so 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 then so go ahead. So you tell your dad what's he have to say welcome to the club um <laughs> essentially yeah i mean i i think he called me in the morning um i told him what had happened and i honestly don't remember a whole lot of that conversation because my brain kind of fizzed out because believe it or not when he called me the elevator in our building is really bad when it breaks more often than it works and so I had to take the stairwell, and I kid you not, we had a power outage that morning that put the entire building into just complete darkness. And I had to walk down a stairwell to no get way. to work. Now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. Now, that is the beginning of a horror movie right there. Yes, okay. I mean, talk about something needing energy and sucking the energy out of the whole building. And, then, oh. and being able to compel its victims to do things. I mean, oh, man. I'm writing right now. I'm taking notes. <laughs> this is incredible. Oh, God. So you don't remember. I mean, rule number one is don't put up and don't go to the basement, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nobody pays attention to that. We're also going to go out to the tool shed. Yeah, with all the, well, we're going to go out to the tool shed with all the sharp, uh, sharp tools and stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you, so that's your only experience then, uh, the one that you had there uh, on the Army base or M- Marine base. Yes, that is the only time I have ever seen it, um, or had any experience similar to that. So now your dad tells me he doesn't think he could handle another experience. Uh, your your sister says she doesn't want another experience because she's had enough. What what do you think? I mean, are you more prepared if this happens? another time or are you good with uh, just the one one time to be honest I don't know if I personally will ever be fully prepared for another encounter uh, I feel like I don't know I would definitely be terrified to have another encounter um, but it's something that I definitely would not mind not ever seeing again because I thought that it skipped me, seeing as my siblings and my dad have all seen it, and I had well, never seen the, it before. Here's the uh, strange thing about that, the uh, little backstory on that, is the night before, uh, we had a new team member, uh, cameraman, join our paranormal research group and we were hanging out in the backyard. It was a nice, nice uh, October evening and um, having a few drinks and talking about the paranormal because he was all excited about it. And he asked me what was the most terrifying paranormal thing that's ever happened to me. And I proceeded to tell him about the hat man. And I added, I told him about Megan's experience. I told him about Adam's. I told him that Meg or Emily was involved in Megan's experience. I said, but the only one of my kids who has never experienced the hat man is my son, Charles. Now, the next morning I get that text and I call him and putting together the time that his experience with the hat man occurred 
shortly after I had that conversation with John Michael. And honestly, I don't think that was a coincidence. Within hours. Charles, did you then rescind any gift that you may have gotten your father for Father's Day? (laughs) Because that is not a way to win the Father of the Year Award right there. (laughs) No, it's not. Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Hey, Charles, uh, I kind of feel the same way with uh, with you. You can never be prepared with this thing because... uh, it's already proven that it has some type of an influence over its victims and um, can communicate because it's communicated with your dad. And as rare as that may be for this cryptid. And also, um, I mean, it's, we don't know whether it's, uh, it's corporal or whether it's actually solid. And it's, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know, it's just, you don't know what to do. I mean, I, I, well, I understand your trepidations. I can, I can tell you it is solid because okay. it laid its hands on me. It pushed me down to bed and physically rolled me away from it so I could not look at it. So I, I do know it's solid. Okay. So re- hearing that again, Charles, remember that. Re- remember that, Charles. He knows it could lay its hands on you. He still threw you under the bus by saying <laughs> only he had that. Holy smokes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe he thought Charlie was the best prepared. He's got, you know, hand-to-hand combat skills. He thought he could handle it more than the rest of us. Who knows? Yeah, Charlie. Char- Thanks, Megan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, Charles, I think before before we hook you up with the dog man, you you got to take care of the hat man. Yeah, this is true. What if, what, now, what if true. you see the, here, how about this? What if the dog man shows up wearing a fedora? <laughs> How about that? We got a problem. How about that? How about that? That's almost as bad as an Amish dog man. An Amish dog man? <laughs> yeah, the only thing that terrifies me or scares me in life is the Amish people and werewolves. So, yeah, for me, it would be an Amish dog man. An Amish dog man. You know, I could almost, you'd almost like see the buggy, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, or hear the horses? I mean, you'd hear. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. An Amish dog, man. An Amish I never dog, thought man. of that concept. <laughs> no, but that is right for a sci-fi yeah, movie. Be. The I mean, hat is. certainly would be different. Yes. <laughs> the, oh, the, the beard would be a little different, too. <laughs> I could see follow, following Sharknado 13 yeah. is Attack of the Amish Dog Man. <laughs> <laughs> or the Amish yeah. Hat Man. He, they, <laughs> he will build a barn for you in the day, and then... Steal your kids at night. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, okay. Well, so so we got one left. We got Adam. Yeah, we got Adam. We got Adam. Are you ready to tell your story? We do. All right. Uh, yeah. Um. So this was like uh, years back. I wish for the life of me I could remember exactly what year, but it was either when I was in um, second or third grade, and I graduated in 2017. So it's been a hot second. Oh my God! I can't. Um, I can't believe you're so old. How could you remember anything? Yeah, I know, right? Oh God! <laughs> I mean, I got shirts. Um, I got shirts older than you, man. Come on. <laughs> Still, I don't know. I call it the curse of the family. Uh, memories. Hensleys have horrible memory. You can ask my dad. Um, but I did. He, that, I did. He uh, forgot to answer the question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I was in uh, 
school at the time, and I had this buddy who's my best friend, and we, like, spent pretty much almost every weekend, either he was at my house or I was at his house. We were just, like, inseparable, always good pals. And um, we were at his house for the weekend, and we used to romp around in his basement because it, it was just, like, wide open, and it was just, like, there's a TV down there. We never had – the only thing we had to do was go upstairs for snacks. Like, we were all set. And um, we would hang out in his basement. And it was, like, one of those nights where there's, like, so dark, but you can see the shape of everything because just some things are slightly more black than other things. So you can kind of see the layout of the room, but it's still completely like dark. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Um, but that's essentially what this room was. I only and, feel that uh, I only feel that darkness when I go to work every day at the post office. But that's, mm-hmm. that's another podcast. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, and so it was him and I, and we fell asleep on the futon that they had in the basement there. And I'm the exact opposite from Charles. I actually like sleeping with my face towards the entire room. I like being able to, like, wake up and immediately take in my surroundings and, like, just kind of have that uh, awareness. And so I slept with, like, my back, like, there's a corner behind my head, and the rest of the room opened up right in front of me. And I woke up, and I cannot tell you, it was it was really late. I cannot remember what time it was. Um but instantly I knew something wasn't wrong or something wasn't right. I knew something was completely wrong because I couldn't move at all. I, now, I didn't see anything at this point. It's not like I, I looked at this thing and then I was like, oh, crap, I can't move. I just couldn't move. And I kept trying to think, like, say something. It's like, hey, buddy, or his, um, I'll just say his name was uh, Nathan. But I was just like, hey, Nathan, like, um, I was trying to be like, I, I, trying to get attention, trying to say anything. And the longer that I sat there, like, immobilized, the more fear I felt. And it was like an otherworldly terror. I can't, I can't explain to you. It felt primal, um, like, like, like something was doing this to me. And I look over, and we have the entire stretch of the room, and then on the right side corner is the doorway. And standing in this doorway is this figure, and it's extremely tall. It filled out to the ceilings, and it, it was a, a pretty deep basement. And um, it had a hat on. Now, I didn't have, like, any eyes or any cloak or anything like that, but it distinctly had a hat. And it was tall, and it was thin, and it was so dark that the only reason I could make out this thing's shape is because it was darker than the rest of the room, which I was in a basement. There were no windows in this room. There was no way of light getting in. And, like, we had the lights completely off, no nightlight. So it was a dark room, but I could clearly make out this, 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 this figure that was at this doorway and it moved or, or I, I guess uh, glided is really the best word to describe it. It glided right from the doorway over to the side of my futon and it felt like it took probably three seconds. It probably was longer than that, but it moved fast. It, it like almost was like at the door and then like glid over in like a very smooth motion. Uh, to the side of the bed, the side that I was on the outside of, so it was right next to me. And I, I remember just laying there and looking up at this thing and not being able to move at all. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just talking to you about it right now. Um, but it leaned over very slowly, like just from the waist. Its body didn't move, and from the waist, it just kind of like leaned right over the futon, and it was to the point where its head was over my head, and it was just staring at me. And I couldn't move. And I felt like in eternity we were there, 
before I heard my buddy say, hey, Adam, I think we should uh, pray. And as soon as it said, uh, as I heard him say that, this thing like lilted straight back up and was gone. It just disappeared. And it felt like this weight came off of my chest and I could breathe again and I could move again. And the moment it disappeared was the moment that I gained full control. And the crazy part of this whole story is if you ask my buddy about it, or at least back in the day, we don't talk much anymore. Um, but he was telling me that he was trying to get me awake the whole time, that he was elbowing me and saying my name and like pushing me and like trying to be like, Adam, Adam, we need to do something, Adam, what's up? And I'd never heard him. I was so focused on this, this entity and the creature that had this hat on that was just like staring at me that I, I, I didn't hear him. I couldn't react until I finally heard him the last time and then it was gone. Wow. So do you think your buddy actually saw it or was he just focused on you because you were no longer responsive? Oh, no. We both fell asleep. He saw it. Um, we actually like bolted up and we flipped the lights on and we ran upstairs into the kitchen and like we got like our Capri Suns and we were sitting there and we were like, man, I don't know what happened, but did you just see that? And we told his parents the uh, next day his dad, he was actually, uh, we were at his dad's at the time, and his dad was like, oh, you guys are making that up. Like, there's no way that actually happened. Like, get ready for the day. And so it felt a little little weird that we couldn't really, like, explain that to anybody. But, no, he saw it, for sure saw it, and told me about it, and we recounted the incident back and forth to each other. Um, it's just, I, I find that so strikingly weird how I was, like, completely paralyzed, and he was still able to move and act. I, I want to know how many Capri Suns you had before you went to bed. <laughs> That's what I want to know. How, and now, now, uh, oh boy. So how, what, what did he describe seeing? I mean, did he describe it? Did he see it the same way you saw it? Uh, yeah, the exact same way. Tall uh, figure with a hat on that was just completely black, no discernible facial features, nothing. Um, it was kind of funny because his dad's a tall dude. Like his dad's a, a six foot four, I think. Like he's a he's a pretty tall man. And we thought it well, initially we thought it was his dad like trying to play a prank on us or trying to be funny when we were like trying to rationalize it to ourselves. And I was like, "There's no way. There's absolutely no way." And so we were like, "Yeah, there was no way that could have happened." But we like joked for a while on that uh, Bill was the hat man. It's it's so at that point in time, you knew nothing about. I mean, so I mean, did every, had everybody shared their experiences? I mean, in the in the time frame or the timeline of everybody seeing this entity, obviously Charles is the last one to go. When when did you have your experience, Adam, compared to Megan? And had you already heard about this? Or you said you were pretty young, so they may not even have clued you in on what was going on. I definitely heard about it, and I knew about it because this was like actually right around the time that my dad started getting into the paranormal and starting like investing into like research and getting into the field. And so I definitely heard about the hat man. I heard my dad's experience. I heard my sister's experience, but I was so young that that felt like worlds away. That felt like, like entertainment, not reality. You know what I mean? It felt like, like those are ghost stories you tell around the campfire, not traumatic experiences somebody actually lived through. It wasn't like older until I realized that or really, it wasn't until I saw this thing that I was like, "Wow, this is this is real." Now, did you? No, so it, it really was thinking. Did you ever then dress up as the Hat Man for Halloween? 
Oh, absolutely not. I have no interest in bringing that <laughs> I energy into my life. I just want, I mean, that would have been... You might not have scared anybody else, but by God, you'd have got a real reaction at home, wouldn't you? Like, that would have been, holy uh, smokes. Yeah, it was It was quite an experience. So, so David, let me ask you. You uh-huh. guys have obviously lived, I mean, you've lived with this for a long time. You've done a lot of research on it. The straight, okay, why the hat? Why does this thing wear a hat? Nobody knows. Honestly, nobody knows. Um a lot of paranormal researchers, they call, and they'll describe the hat man, but they call them the shadow people. We, uh, I'm one of quite a few researchers who believe that there are distinct difference. Shadow people you tend to see, like in hospitals or whatever, those could be some form of human spirits, ghosts. They're fleeting. They don't stay in a peripheral vision, and they don't, I mean, they stay in a peripheral vision. They're fleeting. Uh, they don't cause fear. The hat man, as I refer to it, is completely different it is um the leading theory is that it's some type of interdimensional being now those that have had multiple experiences with this um many there's a lot of people out on the web that's had a lot more than even megan all of those uh, multiple accounts people have tried crosses holy water religious artifacts do not seem to have an effect on this entity um, therefore, a lot of people regard it as a um, interdimensional being. It is interesting, though, that when you know Adam prayed, and, and uh, his friend Nathan said, "Adam, will you pray with me?" That it did leave at that point. However, um, again, many people say that nothing religious has any effect on. It, therefore, people don't think it's demonic. The one and only thing that seems to be a common thread that is a deterrent for this thing, well, there's two things. Although some people have claimed that it is visited in broad daylight and even when there's light, but many people that started using a light on that had multiple visits leave the light on at night no longer have any encounters. But it seems the most effective way to get rid of this entity from multiple visits is to lose your temper and yell at it. Like Megan did. Which is... Yeah. yeah, and it's easier said than done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but it seems to be when you are, when you challenge it, when you actually, uh, the, and I, my theory is, is it realized then you break the fear. And if it's feeding yeah. on fear and you're able to challenge it, it's not the energy at once. It doesn't want anger, it wants fear. Right. And uh, so, you know, that's all we, you know, as far as, Anybody's guess is as good as the next, but that seems to be that, you know, from everything reading the common threads, that leads me to believe that this is some type of entity that uh, feeds on emotion or fear. Now, have you, since you, you know, so this was your first episode on the on Paranormal Road. You guys built right. basically your platform of a podcast and decided, okay, we're going to just right out of the gate uh, do this. Kick it off with. Yeah, kick it off with that experience. So how many people have reached out to you then on the, you know, maybe not wanting to be public and and shared experiences about the hat man with you? I've gotten two emails um, that talk about this entity. Um, And one of them is, uh, you know, I'll say her first name only uh, is Jen. She's one of our followers. She's actually been to a couple of our lectures for EVP mediums. 
she's uh, um, she had an experience, and it is uh, also linked with her as my daughter. It was linked to a traumatic time in her life. So um, while we've only gotten two, I will tell you this, that uh, there was one time when we were doing a lecture in Huron, and when uh, one of our PowerPoint presentations, we talk about the different types of entity. Basically, initially, there are only two types of entities. There is the human entity and the non-human. Now, when you look at non-human, we break them down. Demonic uh, type of entity, a uh, wraith, and we go through the different types of non-human entities. And the last presentation on that grouping is the hat man. And when I got to that grouping, and the slide came up and had a picture of, of the hat man, and um, this woman in the audience, she gasped. She started crying hysterically. I mean, I stopped speaking, and everybody was looking at her, looking at me. She was fumbling around for her coat, her purse. She grabbed her purse, and she flew out of the room, um, at the door, and that door went right to the parking lot. Um, she got in her car and flew out of it. I mean, flew. Uh, stones were flying from the driveway and everybody's looking around I'm like okay I think we're going to take a break and resume the lecture here in 10 minutes um, and the only thing I can think of is she to herself had that experience and she blocked it out and denied it and denied it and denied it and then that lecture she realized that it was the truth and it freaked her out well, make sure and I really wish she would have yeah it makes you wonder but, why she was there in in the first place, you know, like right, probably right. for validation too. Well, right? obviously she didn't yeah. want validation. She she, yeah. took, well, she didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, that's, holy that's smoke! Like I mean, it yeah. sounds like. I mean, so she obviously had an experience. I mean, and it's you hate to say that, but it's apparent that she had some sort of experience. You like to think right. she'd stick around and get try to ask questions and get help if there is right. I mean, and I felt bad. I really really wanted to talk to her and there was she was not having it i mean she was hysterical i mean really she should not have been driving she was so hysterical and i kind of hoped that she would have emailed me and i thought okay well she'll email me the next day through our website that i'll hear from her and i never did hear from her uh so it's 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 uh, well, a little she, bit uh, concerned maybe she will hear you talking about this and uh no, you know, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. maybe she'll, I mean, because if she's going to a lecture, then she's certainly, you know, listening to pod to seeking pod, something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she may be listening to, um, to either you guys or us or, and, uh, figure out that, you know, she's not alone and she can reach out to you and get right. some help. Uh, she should right. not reach out to me because I will be of no help when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that. Holy smokes. So, so how how long has it been since the last uh, Hat Man sighting for you guys? It would have been Charlie. And it's been, what, three or four years, right? Yeah, it was in the October time frame of 2017. Okay, so you guys are... I mean, David, you've probably, ever since you've had this... What, God, how long has that been? 25 years ago? 30 years ago? Oh, yeah. 35 yeah i mean you still every night go to sleep wondering if you're going to get woke up by this or no no many years i never even i don't even think about it um when i have doing like your show here uh or even when we did our first show uh on paranormal road uh because of what happened with charlie 
the night before I was talking about it, you know, I said the only one of my kids that's never uh, seen it is Charlie. And then we put again the time frame, and it was shortly after I made that statement, it came to him in the barracks. So, uh, again, I don't think that was a message. Uh, I mean, I, I do think it was a message. I don't think it was coincidental. I almost think like it said, hmm, let me correct that mistake. You know, um, that's how we kind of felt about it. Um, so, yeah, when I talk about it, um, and, and that actually does kind of tend to bring it to the demonic stage because it's well known that you do not even speak the name of a demon. If you know that name, you don't speak it, because if you speak it, it becomes aware that you are speaking its name. Wherever realm it is in, you, you just do not speak the names of demonic entities. And in this case, I was speaking about the hat man, and it triggered a response by it coming to visit uh, Charlie. So, um, yeah, every time we talk about it in depth like this, every time I'll tell somebody, it's always in the back of my mind. And I'll be honest, I will have a little bit difficulty going to sleep because I will be opening one eye quickly, looking at the room to see if it's there. It takes me a little bit to go to sleep after having these discussions because because of with Charles uh, and, and that particular incident, you know, it, it leads me to believe it's aware of our uh, of our existence. It's aware of everything we do. And that honestly, quite honestly, uh, scares the hell out of me. Well, in this regard, at least if you're listening, hat man, you know, we all yeah. hold you in high regard. And none of us want you to come visit us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> except, yeah. for, except for Jason. He's always open to new experience. <laughs> so, so, so you're talking, so talking about the demon stuff, I guess that leads us into, another um kind of aspect of what it is you guys do in conjunction with the podcast you get you want to you want to tell our listeners about that ladies and gentlemen that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of the from the shadows podcast we hope that you've enjoyed it and be sure to tune in next week to pick up right where we left off with our guest david hensley host of the Paranormal Road Podcast and founder of EVP Mediums. Ladies and gentlemen, a final word. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast. You can visit our webpage at fromtheshadowspodcast.godaddysites.com or contribute to our Facebook discussion page called After the Shadows and tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to hearing from you all. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.